Such a privilege to be with you. Today is the last day of Romans, and um, it's, it's, it's been like this crazy journey that we've been on, and, and then the interruption of us, you know, with COVID, not being able to in-person gathering, and, you know, kind of shifting and pivoting here, and today we, we sum up the book of Romans, and um, my encouragement this morning, you know, maybe you haven't done this yet this morning. I found myself having to do this. I didn't even think about it. I was, you kind of just go in default mode um, when, you, when you gather on a Sunday, and especially with all the things that have been going on in our world, with, with the social injustice that we've witnessed, with the death of, of um, Floyd, and, and now we're seeing riots and protesting and all of these things, and, and not on top of that, COVID, and all of our hearts are feeling unrest, and we're feeling indignant and we're feeling sad and we're lamenting and then we come into a day like this where we're we're supposed to be celebrating and we're excited to see each other face to face and we have all these torn emotions this morning and what I want to ask us to do here is just maybe this isn't part of my notes um, but maybe if we just take like five seconds and just close our eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and and realign us this morning what does that mean you know, just like get our hearts where he wants our hearts to be, our minds where he wants our minds to be, our bodies where he, just all of who we are, and just ask for his help this morning. We probably should have done this before we even started singing, but maybe if we just do that now and just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, come. God, if we're honest... Uh, our emotions are probably all over the place this morning. Uh, our thoughts are all over the place this morning. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the helper, the one who comes alongside us, who walks alongside us. And if we could use this analogy, the great chiropractor who puts all things back where they're supposed to be, including our emotions and our thoughts. And we just surrender our hearts to you this morning. Let your word come and minister to us and bring in us transformation and change and growth. We, we surrender our hearts to you. Let our hearts be good soil for the word. Let your seed find good soil. Let the roots of it go deep and bear much fruit in our lives. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. All right. Um, you know, I went on a trip to South Africa, I don't know, six years ago, six or seven years ago, around there. And it was about a two-week trip. This is when we were living in Houston. And I remember getting, before I got on the plane, thinking to myself, what if this is the last time, see, this is where my thoughts go, what if this is the last time I see my family, right? Because this is going to be a fairly long trip, and you know, getting on a plane, you, you, I don't know, but I always kind of carry this, I know the stats, don't quote the stats to me, okay? I know the stats, you're less likely to die in a plane crash than you are in a car crash, I get all that. But there's something about me in particular, when I get on a plane, I go on a long trip away from my family, my mind starts to run wild, the anxiety starts to like, what if I, what if I, it's not so much like, what if I die, I, although I don't want to die, but it's more, I think as a husband and a dad, the fear of leaving my wife and leaving my kids, right? And you feel this responsibility, and you feel this angst. And so I remember before I got on the plane and, and I was preparing to leave, I wrote every single one of my 
family members a letter. You remember that? Kids remember this stuff. And they, and they, you know, it's almost like you don't want to do it because then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, right? You're scared to write it because then you jinx yourself kind of a thing. But I just thought to myself, if this is the last time that I get to say anything meaningful to my wife and to my children, I should take advantage of it, right? And so I remember writing in there. And some of the things I wrote, I remember particularly, was instructing my kids to love Jesus with all their heart. You know, like kids, the most important thing in life is not how much money you will have, not the schools that you're going to graduate from, not all of it, but it's about how you love Jesus, because that is the measure of a Christian's, the way you worship him and give your life to him. And so my encouragement was this, and in and, and reminding my wife that I love her and that, you know, if, if I leave, that God's... God's encouraged and has empowered her to be the mom to these children, all these kind of things, right? And so what we find here is Paul doing something similar to the church in Rome. It's he thinks that he's going to come and visit them, but we know it, he probably actually never gets the chance to physically see the church in Rome in face, face to face. But in his mind, he's probably thinking this is going to happen. But just in case it doesn't, let me write you this letter. And this. And let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you how wonderful it is. And, and you know, let me tell you my story is that God changed me from the inside out. It wasn't any religious things that I was doing per se. It was the fact that God met me and changed me. And then we see that he continues with that story and says, not only is this gospel glorious and beautiful and it changes you from the inside out, but it also informs the way that you live with one another. Kids, with your brothers and sisters, when you get angry with your brother or your sister because they didn't do this and that or they did something and you didn't want them to do that, the gospel tells us how to treat each other. Husbands, wives, friends, it tells us how to live in these relationships. And just so recently... It would seem in God's providence that we go through chapters 13, 14, and 15 where it talks about how we shouldn't argue about disputable matters like, you're stupid if you're not wearing a mask. You're stupid if you are wearing a mask. Well, you shouldn't go to church. Well, you should go to all these kind of things. And we go, oh, Paul says, hey, 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 chill out. The main thing is Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. Let's not get caught up in all this stuff. So Paul tells us about this glorious gospel, but this glorious gospel transforms us and it, it, it informs our relationships. And then he ends with what we're going to read here today and he, he encourages the church. Hey church, just in case I never actually get to come to you. I know I am going to try to get to you because I want to go to Spain and I'm going to spend some time and I can't wait to see you face to face and all these people, commend them for, remember how Jeff did so great last week, commend them for their faith and all these people who are in the church and in the household, commend them, we're, we're a relationship together, but just in case I don't get the opportunity, I want to give you some final words. And if you will with me, turn to Romans chapter 16. We're going to read what your Bible probably has as a header called the doxology, which means a formal way of worshiping God. And, and, and so we see this written out worship that Paul writes to the Romans before he departs with his final words. And he says this in verses 25 through 27. If you're following online, uh, we're going to be reading from the ESV version. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen for us this morning. It says this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. 
according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So often what we do is we read these kind of endings to these letters and go, of course Paul has to write something poetic. <laughs> of course he has to say something that feels meaningful, that you know, sounds really eloquent. See, Paul is not just trying to, what's a wax eloquent? Is that what you say? Waxing eloquent? He's not just trying to make himself sound like he knows how to use the pen well. He's actually writing deep theology for here, for us this morning. And if we are tempted to just skim over this and, and what all Paul is doing is saying, hey, by the way, see you soon. That's not what's happening here. There's some things that we need to understand. Remember the context of Romans? Remember that the, the Roman church is a Jewish and a Gentile church? And there were Jews who were kind of judging the Gentile Christians saying, you know, you don't, you don't worship right. You don't worship right. You, you should be not eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. You're not worshiping right. You need to keep all these customs of the Jewish people. If you want to be a complete and whole Christian, you need to observe all these Jewish things that we've been doing for millennia because God gave us these laws. How are we to just let them go anymore? So if you're not worshiping the way we're worshiping, you're not worshiping at all, right? We get that kind of attitude sometimes about the way we worship. If you're a church that wears suits, then you're not worshiping God because you don't know the freedom anymore. And that would be like the Gentile side would be like, man, you Jewish people are too uptight. Relax, chill out. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's okay to smile in church. It's okay to like talk about Jesus with happiness in your heart. It's okay not to like cross every T and dot every I. You're going to be all right. The grace of Jesus. And then so it was like this side and then this side was saying, no, you got to worship this. No, you got to worship. And Paul just comes in and he talks about the gospel. He says, this is the truth. Don't argue over these stupid little things that you want to argue about. And we find ourselves in the same kind of circumstances today. And we could get all about these disputable matters and what Paul does at the end of his letter, like I did to my kids is, you know, I didn't write, hey kids, don't argue, because I just knew that would be impossible, right? If you're a parent, you know, that's like insane. You're never going to write anything so preposterous. Yeah, it's true. But you are going to say things like, keep the main thing the main thing. You are going to say things like, give your whole heart to Jesus because he's so worthy of it. You are going to say things like, keep your eyes lifted up on God because that's where your help comes from. And that's what Paul does with us here this morning. So I'm going to give us some statements that I think are worth taking note of. What Paul does here in these last two verses that are yet very profound. And this is the first one I want us to pay special attention to. And it's this, God's power is able to strengthen you. He says this, he says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. God's power is able to strengthen you. I have a friend who um, lives on the coast in North Carolina. And she was enjoying the beach one day. And I don't know if you've ever done this. I have done this. 
And I tend to do it less now hearing this story, and maybe after you hear this, you will too. But she was in the waves, in the breakers, not like, you know, swimming, but just where they were kind of crashing about mid-waist, right? And I don't know if you've done this, but you ever just stand there in the sand, and as the waves come, you find yourself kind of sinking deeper if you don't move, because as the waves go, it like builds up sand around your legs. Well, she had just stood there for long enough to the point where she found that the sand had actually got about almost up to her knee in, in, in mid-shin. And the waves at this moment were kind of just chilled out and, you know, she was just enjoying, oh, this is fun, whatever, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, a big breaker came. And she found herself struggling last minute, trying to get out of the sand, but she couldn't do it. The breaker came and knocked her over and gave her a compound fracture in her shin. Pretty brutal, yeah. So next time you go to the beach, just be careful. Don't do that. But the problem was, it's not the fact that the wave came and pushed her in her legs, it's the fact that her strength wasn't enough to withstand the onslaught of this big wave that had come. She, she had put her trust in the fact that her legs were able to balance her at the time with this little amount of weight that she was feeling in the resistance of her body. But when something came, when a situation, when a... Uh, a, a a moment in time that she did not plan for, this wave came out of nowhere, knocked her over, and her core strength, I'm not ripping on her about her core strength, but her core strength was not able to keep her upright, and therefore her leg just buckled under the pressure. And we often can find ourselves in these kind of situations in life where we're enjoying life, circumstances are going okay, we're enjoying the breakers coming and cooling off our body and seeing the little sand creatures go around us and talking while we're... And all of a sudden, out of nowhere in life, a breaker comes and knocks us over and we find ourselves totally disorientated, maybe with a broken leg, maybe with a lung full of salt water, whatever it is. And see what Paul does is he comes and at the end of his story, at the end of the, the gospel of Romans, he encourages the church and says, church, I know there might be potential divisions among you. Church, I know that you may be persecuted for your faith. Church, I know that all these kind of things will be going on in your life, but let me encourage you guys, listen, listen, before we get to the end here, let me encourage you, the God of all, of all creation is able to what? He's able to strengthen you. He's able to give you the fortification in your soul that when a circumstance comes, when things go not as planned, when, when, when COVID-19 comes and takes over the world, when someone gets killed unjustly and people are reacting and all this chaos is going around the world, what does he do? He's encouraging you. He says, don't put your hope in your own strength. Don't stand in your own strength. Stand, but don't put your uh, hope in your own strength. Put your hope in God. Why? Because God is able to strengthen you. He's the only one who can strengthen you. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9 says this. I want to shift gears in this truth a little bit. Paul says, A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, now, it's, it's interesting that he says, was given to me. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Lord, take this away. God, please take this away. God. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. 
But he said to me, and here it is, the famous line, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean for you and me? We're trying to be strong right now. As Christians, we're supposed to be strong, right? You have a faith. Show it, man. Show your faith, man. Where's your faith, man? Where's your faith, woman? Where's your faith, child? Where's your faith? Where's your faith, Liam? Where is it? Be strong in the Lord. Be strong and courageous in the Lord, right, Joshua? And sometimes we confuse strength as if somehow strength in the Lord is our own fortitude, is our own ability, is our own natural talents that God has given us. God blesses those. What's, what's that saying? God helps those who help themselves. Baloney. You got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? None of that is in the Bible. Actually, that is the opposite, the antithesis of what Scripture tells us. When Paul boasts about his weakness, he's letting us in on a little secret here this morning. He's saying, the God who is able to strengthen you is the one who will supply strength when you are weak, because in your weakness, God is shown strong. This is so contrary to the way of the world, isn't it? it is, it's, it's so contrary to the way of the world. You know what the world's way of strength is? I, I wrote some things here. Worldly strength. These are some things that the world does to show that you're strong. If you are strong in the eyes of the world, this is some things you do. You hurt someone back more than they hurt you. Right? This person hurt me. Oh, yeah? They think I'm weak. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them how strong I am by hurting them more. And it's not just the way of the world. It's the way of the church sometimes. Think about when your spouse hurts you. Okay, you hurt me. Let me just give you a little taste of your own medicine. But I want it to sting even more. Your brother, your sister hurts you. No, that's the way of the world. That's the way of the world's strength. The way of God's strength is to allow ourselves to be weak and to rely on God's strength. He says, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Don't repay evil with evil. The way of the world's strength says, becoming a self-made man or woman, an attitude that nothing will ever get in your way, right? You're going to kick butt, take names, I'm going to do, I'm going to like charge, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder, and I don't care who gets in my way because I'm going to be strong and let everybody know I'm strong because strength is what is needed. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, those who are humble and gentle. What about the world saying that strength is, I don't need anybody at any time for anything anymore. I've been hurt too many times. I need to be strong. I need to put up walls. I'm not let my guard down because when you let your guard down, people just disappoint. People just hurt you. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit because you acknowledge your need for God. See, the beautiful thing is, friends, we don't have to rely on our own strength. When a big wave comes, you know what we're supposed to do? 
God, help me! I've been feeling a lot of that lately. I'm sure you have too. God, should we, should we meet? Yes, we should meet. Let's show our strength. <laughs> no, 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 let's not meet. That's crazy. People are going to get sick. Let's not meet. Let's show our strength that we don't have to meet. Okay, sh now should we meet? Yes, let's be strong and let's meet. No, 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 you shouldn't meet. Let's, let's show our strength by not meeting. It's not time to meet. Well, I think it's time to meet. Well, I don't think it's time to meet. I don't know what to do anymore. God, help me. That's just one scenario that we're feeling right now. God's power is able to strengthen you. But here's, it, it, it doesn't end there, friends. Here's the continuation of that. Number two is God's power is able to strengthen you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have to have this part added to the strengthening because without it, we can kind of make our own determinations of what the strength of God is. Okay, so I remember when we lived in Houston, we would get epic thunderstorms. If you've ever like lived in anywhere other than Southern California, right? Uh, you, there's like people go like, I mean, the, it's, this, it, here's an insight whether you, if, if the rain makes the news, you don't live in an area where you get real rain, okay? <laughs> you, ever, you ever watch news and it's like, Southern California, ABC, Eyewitness News, Stormwatch, right? Stormwatch? It rained like a point centimeter today, you know? No, in Houston, like, they would, it was epic. I mean, it's just like thunder, and you, you're like, you feel this awe of God when you, when these, I mean, rain comes down, and it's like that big around, one drop. I'm not exaggerating at all, babe. You open up your door, it comes from one door out the other, it's going sideways. You get, I mean, it's, it's hard, it's epic, right? And we lived in a neighborhood that had these really old oak trees, really big old oak trees. And it was weird. Every once in a while, when an when a epic storm would come through, you would see these trees in neighborhoods, it's like, oh, how many trees fell today in the neighborhood, right? You'd be driving through the neighborhood and pff, big giant tree came down through somebody's roof or it's laying in the sidewalk or whatever it is, big giant trees. And what you would find is, it would be surprising, the trees that sometimes you thought would be the most strong were the ones that were laying on the side of the road or found themselves crashing through somebody's roof. They looked good on the outside. I remember we had one tree in particular that was on our driveway and a limb had fallen down. It looked fine. And then when I went to examine the limb, it was hollow. There were beetle larvas all crawling through it. Ants had whittled it. Thing. And on the outside, it just looked so nice. But on the inside, it was just decayed. And then there were some of these really big trees that were turned over. And another thing that was surprising about these trees is that you see, you would think a tree that big would have roots that go super deep. And some of these trees just only had roots that are maybe a foot deep but super wide. And you go, that's why they fell over. And they looked like they were grounded and rooted really well, but they actually weren't. And you, you find that when Paul says the God who is able to strengthen you, he gives a caveat to that because he continues here and he says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. See, this strength is not just a nebulous, however you and I want to define strength. 
Strength in God is the gospel of Jesus Christ infusing our identity and informing who we are as a people. Without that, our strength can be, well, I'm really strong because I don't cry when we get together on Sunday mornings and I see everybody singing. Not like Kelly, what a wuss. I'm really strong because I've made something of myself and when hardships have come, God's given me strength to be able to stand firm. I am my own captain. We say things that the world says about strength, but Paul doesn't let us get away with that. He gives us a, definite, a definitive answer on what strength is. And he says, friends, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus is our only hope. He's our only answer. He's the Obi-Wan Kenobi of our faith. I did it. You're welcome, Gilbert. Help us, Jesus. You're our only hope. Help us, Jesus. The world has lost its mind. Help me, Jesus. I'm afraid for my health. I'm afraid for... Others people's, other people's help. I'm afraid that racism is taking over our world. And see what, what some of our, our communities are doing, saying, we're strong. Let's get together and show how strong we are. We're going to stick it to everybody else. And this is not a political statement. This is a Christian statement. That we surrender our hearts when we feel like we need to puff out our chests and show how bow up on everybody and show how strong we are. What we do is we say, Jesus, you're my only hope. Because in your gospel, it informs my identity. In your gospel, it tells me what I'm, how I should think and what I should do and how I should live my life and how I should treat others and how I should respond to racism and how I should respond to hurt and how I should respond to bitterness and how I should respond to fear. The gospel of Jesus informs all of that. See, remember how we say over and over and over again in this church, Every problem that we have is a lack of either understanding the gospel or applying the gospel to our lives. The reason why that police officer treated Mr. Floyd the way he did is because he doesn't understand the gospel of Jesus. What do you mean by that, Kelly? What I mean by that is, in the gospel of Jesus, we understand that God is the creator. And in God being the creator, he in his wisdom and love for humanity poured his essence of who he is into humanity. He said, let us make man in our image. And when we forget that we have been created in the image of God, we devalue each other. What we do is we say, this person, that person of that skin color, that person of that uh, position, this person who offended me, this, this, and this is not worthy of me giving them worth because they did this to me. See, our value does not come from the worth that we put on each other. Our value comes from the worth that God has instilled in humanity because we reflect the nature of who God is. That's why animals are different than humans. That's why dogs don't go to heaven. Sorry. Sorry, kids. Dogs do go to heaven. 
There are animals in heaven. There are animals in heaven. Kitty cats and hamsters and goldfish, all that stuff. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I was doing so well. The gospel of Jesus informs our strength. It informs our identity. It informs who we are. And when Paul says something like, I will boast in my weakness, and God tells Paul something very hard to hear, that in your weakness I am made strong, everything, the worldliness inside us goes, no, I don't want to hear that. We want something else. And then Jesus comes along and says those words like, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. If you want to find your life, you got to lay it down. He says things like, if you want to be the greatest, you must be the least. He's not trying to do some weird Yoda Jedi mind trick stuff on us. He's like, you're talking backwards, Jesus. No, he's, he's informing us of a truth that you don't have to fight and stand in your own strength for your identity anymore because let us make man in our own image has been imparted into you as a human being. And we stand in that truth. We stand in that strength because the gospel of Jesus informs us that the strength that we receive from God is not originated or birthed or created from ourselves, it comes from God, God alone. It doesn't stop there. You guys doing okay? This is the last point and then we're done. See, kid, you kids are doing so good. Yeah, so good. Good job, guys. Not only is God's power able to strengthen us, and not only is it strengthen us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it strengthens us in the gospel of Jesus Christ for others. I have a little secret. I'm going to share you with you some of my evil sinfulness, okay? You ready for this? When I find a really good restaurant, I don't like telling people about it. <laughs> but I'm going to fill you in on one of my favorites right now. You ready for this one? Okay. There's this little place in Chino Hills that Marianne and I found. Uh, you, you probably already know it, but it's called, a little place called Take Your Seat. And uh, one of Marianne and I favorite times together is breakfast slash brunch, right? And I think being married to my, I didn't really prefer breakfast before because my idea of breakfast was like sugar with syrup and sweet jelly and all that. And I don't like that kind of stuff, right? So she would always, let's go get breakfast. And I'd be like, eh, can we just go get a cheeseburger or something, you know? But this place, take your seat. Man, they got really good food. They're probably not open, so you don't want to go there right now. Anyways, but there's this simple thing in myself that wants to keep it for myself because I don't want it to get overcrowded. I want to be able to go in there. I want to be able to like go in whenever I want and not have to worry about waiting for the seating time. I want to be able to know the, the servers and the people behind the counter by name. I want to build a relationship with them because I go in there. I'm the guy that goes there. This is my restaurant. This is nobody else's restaurant kind of a thing. And I don't want to share it because I want it for me. 
And then I end up sharing it because I want it to stay in business, and that's why I said it here this morning, Facebook Live. You're welcome to take your seat if you're listening to this. You're going to get more business now this morning. So I want to share it because I want them to stay in business because I want to be able to go there for myself because there's selfishness in my heart. And you might have something in your life that you, you found and you don't want to tell anybody about because if you tell everybody, then everybody's going to do it. It's like going, we went to Yosemite last year and I haven't been there as a kid and I was like, what the heck are all these people doing here? And we're in the off season. I just thought, go home. I'm the only one who should be here enjoying this nature. You shouldn't. We do that with our Christianity. See, look at what Paul says here at the end of this. Look at verse 20. No, 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 no. Uh, You don't have to turn there, but I'll just say it. According to the revelation, and here it is, of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. What is this mystery? The mystery of salvation, that we have, a, we have salvation through God and it's the Messiah's coming and now he's been revealed, this mystery. Who's the Messiah and how will we obtain salvation? We're trying to work on our own good works to please God, but this mystery of grace has come to us now. It's been revealed through Jesus Christ and Paul talks about it. He says, this mystery has been kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations. The Jewish people at the time were like, mm 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 Salvation comes from and through the Jews. Remember that argument Jesus gets with the woman at the well? And she, they start, she wants to start this religious argument about where we should worship, and, and you Jewish people say we need to worship at the temple, and, but our forefathers say we worship at this well because Jacob dug this well, like, and then Jesus says, no, 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 just chill out. See, God's seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, not in location. That's not more holy. Just because you came into the Southlands Chino building this morning didn't make your worship more pleasing to God. And this mystery now that worship is available for all nations, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, not just, not just ethnicities, but people who believe differently, people who grew up in different economic societies, all these kind of socialist ideas, all these different ideas. What Jesus says now, and Paul tells us to, to understand is this is for all nations, and it's a mystery that's been revealed, and it's not just for you. It's not just for you and your family. It's not just for you, your family, and your cousins, and maybe your second cousins. This mystery that has been revealed that God is able to strengthen you through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. There was an old Catholic priest a long time ago. I can't remember his name. He said a statement that has penetrated me and it will remain with me for the rest of my life. And you may have heard it. He said, Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. See, that beggar who first got introduced to the bread didn't, he's not able to say, I'm so good. I thought about the bread and it came to me because I'm such a good beggar. And because I'm such a good beggar, and other people are bad beggars, I'm the only one who is worthy of this bread. I'm the only one who should be able to partake and have sustenance from this bread. 
because I don't want to have to share it with anyone. No, when you are a beggar and you've been given something that you don't deserve, that you did not earn, that on your own merit you could never pay for, you look in your pockets and it's empty and nothing but lint is coming out, and someone in their grace and someone in their love for you comes down and stoops down to your level and says, yes, you're dirty, stinky, filthy, you don't live right, but you don't deserve this bread, but I'm gonna give it to you anyways, and your responsibility then is to turn around and go, look, everybody I found this bread it came from this man he's got a billion other loaves come follow me and let me show you to where to find this bread Paul instructs us and tells us this morning that the God who is able to strengthen you give you the bread that you need that you can't stand in the ways on your own power and in your own strength is going to strengthen you through this gospel the mystery that's been revealed through Jesus Christ and now go share it with other people when you guys leave here this morning if there's places that are open if there's a rest if you're going to go to Flows, that's open. You're going to restauranteer. You're going to patronize. You're going to go into Best Buy. I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to spend time with your family. What you're called to do is say, I didn't earn this bread, and neither did you, but I want to show you where to get it. See, we can't keep it for ourselves. Sorry, my heart's racing. Let me calm down a little bit here. There is a grace that has been given to us that we are called to both revel in and share. We revel, we share. We worship, we share. We celebrate together on a Sunday morning. You know, the pinnacle of our faith is not this gathering. This isn't all that we're called to do together. We're called both to gather and to scatter. We gather, we come celebrate our wins, we share our wins, we share our sorrows, we encourage one another, and then we go back and we share the wins, we encourage others who are in sorrow and who are starving, naked, poor, and blind, begging for bread. Will you stand with me this morning?